out there, someone needs me. I don't know how or where, but believe me, I'll walk the universe to find her. For better or for worse, beside her. For the honor of love, by the power above, I have the power. yourself a bowl of Millville marshmallows and stars. It's Saturday Morning Crunch, the show where we review Saturday morning cartoons as nominated by you. I'm your host, Kyle Von Kubik, and I'm joined along with Johnny Capcom. John, we actually are doing our first <coughs> listener-suggested cartoon. It's She-Ra, Princess of Power, debuted September 9th, 1985. I was two, and um, it was uh, recommended by Melissa Gray. I was three months old. You were three months old. Okay. Yes. Did, do I, you remember watching this episode? Of course, yeah. I, they uh, they just wheeled me out of the ward at that point. <laughs> doing, well, he needs to know about the hot new line of action figures from Mattel. Yeah, prop up his head. He's not paying attention. <laughs> that uh, that probably came out in Ireland in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, not to jump ahead here, but um, I'm glad to know it was Mel recommended this. Yes. So I, I can give out to her later. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Mel probably watched it when she was younger. Oh, I'm uh, sure she like, did. like we did. Uh, and and we, we all watched really bad Saturday morning cartoons. But this series ran for two seasons and a total of 93 episodes. Uh, it did, it? That's two years nearly broadcasting, right? Yeah. Uh, there was a home release on VHS uh, by RCA Home Video. And we watched, for the purposes of this show, uh, a 90-minute movie introducing this. I, I got to believe this is broken up, and maybe you know more than I do. But this is like three episodes back to back to back, and it certainly felt like that. Did they break this up over three weeks, or did they play 90 minutes of this thing in one shot? Do you know? Hard to say, but what we watched was that RCA Home video release. Uh, yeah, and I felt yeah. all 90 minutes while yeah. watching this. Because <laughs> I looked up on YouTube, I looked up episode one was like there was an opening in the beginning and it told the first 25 minutes. And She-Ra isn't in it. <laughs> yeah, the first third of the film, you're just watching Prince Adam be Prince Adam for the first like 22 minutes. Oh, yeah. It'd be like watching like the first 20 minutes of Jaws before the shark turns up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, eventually I had to persevere and yeah. kill an entire afternoon. I could have spent doing anything else watching the uh, the full 90 minutes. I'm glad I did 
get through it because I did. I do feel like I got a full taste of the character, if you know what I mean. Sure. Yeah. And the 90 minute film is like the perfect demonstration of this whole rollout and what this toy line is going to be. Uh, because, oh boy, was Mattel trying to crib some of that He-Man money? You know, Barbie was in a slump. What do we do? I don't know. Make Barbie a He-Man. That is what they did. <laughs> and they called up the perfect studio to slap together a cartoon quickly. Somebody that they had been working with, with Masters of the Universe. The Roger Corman of animation, if you will, filmation. Yeah, I, I mean, that metaphor does work because obviously Roger Corman gave a lot of filmmakers like Martin Scorsese and Ron Howard their start. Yeah. And uh, filmation was the first studio to hire Bruce Tim. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, it's not meant to be disparaging at all. And I like Roger Corman a lot um, because he's the type of guy that I can relate to. It's like, look, this is the cash I have. This is what I, I need. Can you make it happen? And he goes, sure. <laughs> and he makes it happen. What, good, bad or ugly. He makes it happen. From what I heard about Corman was if you came to him with a, with a script that you wanted to make and he liked it, he'd read it and go, OK, your budget is one hundred thousand dollars. But you've also got to make this. And he pulls out a second script that he wants done. <laughs> you, you and I like carnies. So he kind of oh, is yeah. in that circle. Uh, this was syndicated uh, across all different channels, depending on your uh, region. And of course, if you're not familiar with Master of the Universe or, or She-Ra, this is in that fantasy action adventure genre that we've been kind of on a roll with recently with Jace and Conan and the Young Warriors. John, why don't you set up the plot of... Uh, She-Ra. Um, well, basically, He-Man uh, travels to a far-off land to help sell a new line of action figures. <laughs> it is so disingenuous. Um, it's like it starts with uh, the bird lady. Um, Sorceress, I think her name is. Yeah, um, I gotta from... tell you, I I, I was ne I like the um, talking about Roger Corman. Obviously, this is a canon film, but I like Masters of the Universe, the film. But I was never into He-Man when I was a kid. I am actually exactly the same. Yeah. My yeah. my love for that character came from the uh, Masters of the Universe movie. Um, and like my favorite version of Skeletor will always be the gold Skeletor from the end of that. Yeah, that gold suit was phenomenal. The costuming was phenomenal. And for the budget that they had, they really did put together a fantastic film. Even though I know it's not exactly like the cartoon, but for me, I didn't really follow the cartoon. So it was everything. The cosmic key. That's how uh, I needed all that, you know? As I said to multiple people, in many ways, it is the ultimate 80s movie because it's about a magical synthesizer. Yes. You know? <laughs> um, I will say, uh, just a disclaimer, the endorsement of the film Masters of the Universe does not in any way endorse the behavior of the director, Gary Goddard. I just want to make that clear. Oh, is he Skyme? I didn't even know that. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, that that's a topic for a totally different podcast yeah. that well, we I might just, not might not ever start. I just wanted to put that out there. Don't want people thinking we're fumbling around in the dark. It, but for me, that film is what I watched for He Man because, yeah. like, I mean, what well, I would have been like five or six, and I was six in nineteen ninety one. So He Man wouldn't have been on television at that time. But the toys were around. Sure. And then yeah. 
you know, and then like the film would have been on television or, you know, and it had a, I, I have a book of Drew Struzan's art and I love his poster for that film. So, Cause sure, I really, sure. I remember the, the VHS box of it. The toys are a big part of this and th- they were around well into the nineties because uh, Mattel had a hit and then they just oversaturated the market. And then they were around for a while. Like I remember in the nineties that they were still in bargain bins, not, he-man but the like all the monster characters that they came up with this opener definitely just starts throwing spaghetti against the wall they're like look there's an owl and it's got elephant ears and here's a guy with a bow and here's another one and these guys kind of look like smurfs but they're also kind of like orco and i again i was having like when, when um when we discussed jace and it was just like throwing all this stuff at me because it's filmation and it's limited animation and i i re- respect what they did by churning out cartoons uh, at a very low budget and, and giving people their start. I can't stand the Ralph Bashke like rotoscope look. And that's what you're getting with this. Only it's like way limited where it's these matte paintings where they're only animating like the mouth and the eyes. And any time that a character has to move past like three frames, it looks like the cartoon is invisible pain trying to move. Yeah. <laughs> so awkward and weird. And you're also going to see recycled animation, especially in this 90-minute film, again and again and again. I think I clocked uh, 12 He-Man punches to the camera. Same punch over and over again, but they use that that limited animation of him throwing a punch towards the camera again and again and again. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> well, the, the transformation animation... Of He-Man telling you he has the power. Oh yeah, that's just used over and over again. Same sure. one. Um, which, to I be will, fair, that was a yeah. thing that you know TV shows did back then. The right. Power Rangers didn't have a fresh animation every week. Yeah, yeah. When they changed into Jushin Thunder Liger. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, we kind of got sidetracked, but the, so uh, Prince Adam He-Man, he goes from what is it, Etheria to Etheria. Is that no, it? he's he's in Eternia. And, Eternia, Eternia. Uh, a sword flies in through the in through the window of Castle Grayskull, and it's meant for his sister. And it looks the same as He Man's sword, but it's got nice... they were lazy. <laughs> yes, but the, it has a nice little gem in there. It does, yeah. yeah. Um, the so basically, uh, Bird Lady. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. Is it Sorceress is that her name? Sorceress is her name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she actually is represented quite well in the live action film. Yes. Uh, but uh, she goes, listen, you got to go into this portal and bring the sword. Figure out where the sword needs to go because it's like a, it's like a mobile version of uh, the King Arthur myth. Yes. And yeah, Adam goes in and like I get the feeling that the TV station or the TV production company wanted little boys to watch this show. Sure. You know, because they wanted, because I think girls were buying the toys, the He-Man toys anyway. Well, they, that's the thing about it is that Mattel had a little bit of an issue uh, because there there was a boys division and a girls division. And the girls division wasn't doing as well as the boys division at this time. And there was some infighting. Reading up on it, it reminds me very much of Sega of North America and Sega of Japan you know, in the early 90s where they were just at each other's throat. Mm -hmm. So when they were stocking the shelves, there was this confusion of where do we put this toy? Because, okay, so uh, Adora, who ends up being She-Ra, she looks like a Barbie or a Valkyrie Barbie. But the monsters from her show, like Hordak, the big bad, he looks like he belongs with Skeletor and the rest of those guys. 
So there was some market confusion, and um, some of the people who worked in the boys' division blamed She-Ra for the decline of He-Man. Not the well, fact that it had run its course and there was a ton of toys on the shelf. Well, She-Ra is kind of an example, not quite, but kind of an example of what a company does when they've run out of ideas but don't want to do anything new. Yes, yes, yeah, totally. You see it all, all the time in comics where they'll go, I know what will drum up interest, we'll make Iron Woman. Yes. Or, you know, and it's like, it's so rare. It never really works. The only time I can think of, of like a, a reinvention that worked was probably Miles Morales in Spider-Man. Mm-hmm, yes. You know, or it's like, I love the character of Miles Morales because he is the kid I was. He's the kid who grew up idolizing Spider-Man. Right. And and then he gets to become Spider-Man. And yeah. that, that's really cool. And that's very identifiable. But, but we're, we're talking decades between the original character creation the iteration and miles morales oh yeah you know at that point peter parker was no longer representative of uh, i think queens new york is where he hails from right like back in the 70s peter parker kind of fit the bill but now if we're talking about new york in 2019 2020 peter parker just it doesn't fly anymore (laughs) he was a character created in the 70s now we're talking about character who was created in the 2010s so you can get away with that. There's only a few years difference between Shira and He-Man. So it's but like, this, like the, I said, what we were talking about there was there was an organic evolution. Correct. Yes. Of Spider-Man. Yeah. Whereas this time they just went little girls buy uh, He-Man toys, you know. So let's just give them. And I, this is the thing I like about Shira's design is that she's everything like stereotypical about what girls are into because she is the the kind of Aryan supermodel that oh, yeah. you know Barbie like offered to girls but she's got a unicorn and stuff you know and they're going yeah fucking girls love unicorn <laughs> <laughs> you know and as they're going I, I bet on some level they were going and I'll, I'll, by the way I'll stand by that generalization I've never met a woman or a girl who doesn't love unicorns <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, they're pretty cool. Yes. You know? yeah. Add like some wings. Horse. Now you got a Pegasus and, uh, yeah. you know, you get the b- best of both worlds. Watching this, it's funny you brought up like the blonde hair, blue eyes with everything. Uh-huh. I got like an Akira Toriyama feel from everything because there was only like three faces in the entire show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was like we have two men's faces we use and one woman's face we use and that's it. Everybody looks like everyone's white. Yeah, it was... Uh, it's it's cheap. It's cheaply made. Uh, so yes, Prince Adam goes to this other world. He's bringing the sword. He eventually runs into Adora. And uh, a little twist here: Adora is working for the bad guys, but she doesn't un- she doesn't know she's working for the bad guys. And this is handled so clumsily. Really, I love that though. Where it's like <laughs> she's basically a Nazi, and they're yes. just like you know, like she's going, "Well, we're clearly the good guys, right? We're in the evil horde from the fright zone." <laughs> exactly the branding is so bad it's like well we're the the good guys the evil horde from the fright zone that's us we're the good guys everybody loves those things but (laughs) it's um but i do like that they started out that way that is a more interesting origin than say you know like just you know king arthur is the boy who pulls the sword from the stone like she's yeah a, a bit more complicated you know yeah, she's um, she's like a um, a captain with a bunch of stormtroopers under her command, and she's raiding villages and destroying them, trying to stamp out a rebellion. And uh, it reminds me almost a little bit of uh, Vlad the Impaler. Like he was a similar, he was taken by the the Ottomans and uh, then came back. And instead of becoming a hero, he became 
a monster. There, there's historical precedent for that kind of thing where it's like you're raised by one army, uh, but really you're tied to another. But I, I, I thought that was clever enough, especially for a cartoon of this era. Uh, sure, sure. And especially for this cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> About this cartoon and toy line, I read up that uh, Roger Sweet, who worked at uh, Mattel, really did not like She-Ra, did not like She-Ra cribbing his He-Man character that he worked hard on and... Um, He's an interesting dude. There's been a few documentaries about the toy line, and uh, he's he's definitely into like the muscle men. Clearly, um, yeah. It, it's like uh, what what was the Choanoki Big Brother or whatever? Uh, Super Big Brother. Yeah, yeah. It, it's got that vibe about it. Uh, he, the Masters of the Universe and Shira, if you're not familiar with it. But watching this episode or these ninety this ninety minute film, I completely understand why Roger Sweet does not like the character. Because here's a couple things that happened. One, Prince Adam goes to this new world, runs into a whole new batch of bad guys that are like they are organized. There is a hierarchy. They are an evil empire. They got you know generals, com commanders. They have stormtroopers. Shira, when she finally does get her sword. She breaks He-Man's sword in half. And it's, for some reason, it goes back together again. It's never brought up again, but she slashes at He-Man's sword, uh, breaks his sword in half, captures him. Uh, we find out the big bad Hordak was actually the teacher of Skeletor. Like yeah. every, everything about Master of the Universe is, is not only cribbed, but is almost um, played up as second banana to this new franchise. Weirdly enough, though, they also kind of bury Hordak a bit because they talk about later on. It's like Hordak came to Eternia and brought Skeletor with him, but he got the snot knocked out of him <laughs> and went back to Etheria and stole a baby for some reason. <laughs> yes. Uh, which turns out to be Adora, who turns out to be Shira. One thing that was the thing when I was watching straight away, though, I was like, yeah, man, I this like you can't top Skeletor. No, it's, and you know, Skeletor was a welcomed addition when he finally came in and the back third. Although by that point, I was like, all right, when is this damn movie going to be over? Because in the beginning, they 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 show you the characters who are going to be in the film with their voice actors name next to him. And I saw that Skeletor was in it. And at this point, I guess I was like. I don't know, 70 minutes into the film and there was still no Skeletor. And I'm like, we've already gone through like three endings already. When is Skeletor showing up? But when he did show up, I was like, I like Skeletor over Hordak. Like Hordak is very like, I'm running an evil empire. I got my stormtroopers, my commanders. This is my fortress. You know, we're putting our, our foot on a rebellion. And Skeletor is like, I like to mess things up. <laughs> like, yeah. like, he's like a, a, a gang. He's just running a gang of mischief makers. You know, he's calling everybody boob. I don't, yeah. I don't know. He was a he was welcomed uh, addition to the film because it really lightened up and got me through the last third. Well, your man, uh, Hordak, like has a weapon that he can use to destroy the world, essentially. Yes. Whereas Skeletor just wants to get one over on him. <laughs> yes. And uh, I do not like, I love the voice. Uh, what's his name? Uh, who did the voice of Skeletor? Uh, he was Gamork and uh, Alan Oppenheimer. There you go. Uh, he was the Gamork in the Never Ending Story, and he was Falcor as well. And, uh, but that, nah, like that voice is just like it's such a bad choice, but a perfect choice. A perfect choice, sure. I, and I don't know because this was a time where they weren't having child psychologists on staff. But maybe it was like, hey, you know, this character looks a little scary. Yeah. If you give him a goofy voice, you know, it won't frighten children. And really. 
at least with this film, and again, I'm not super familiar with He-Man. Maybe somebody will nominate He-Man and will watch an episode of it, so I become more familiar with the character. But when they were introduced, the evil empire stuff went out the window, and now here's Beast Man and Skeletor, and they're using magic to disguise themselves, and they're hiding somebody in a cake, and it became very goofy and like Hanna-Barbera-esque Hanna-Barbera comedies. And I, I was seeing this uh, parallel with Master of the Universe and she where it was this fine line between Hanna-Barbera's serious stuff, like the Herculoids, uh, the Space Ghosts, and their more goofy stuff like Huckleberry Hound or, you know, uh, Jinx the Cat or whatever it was, you know, it, it was, or Yogi Bear. Like they had the goofy sound effects and the, the slapstick stuff, but also were trying to go for that more serious uh, story storytelling just a multitude of flavors in there so it's right. a stew of uh th- but i mean it, there was a formula to kids stuff back then yeah oh yeah you know um i like to picture that there was always um you know just an old-timey executive just going i know what the children like they like hula hoops <laughs> 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 well yeah clearly this is like this is a 90 minute commercial for a toy line and these were the type of cartoons that pushed the U.S. government to put some more mandates on children's television so that way later cartoons you'd see where there had to be like a morality tale at the end of it with the Sonic says or even in the narrative itself like it had to have some sort of educational benefit within the episode. Um, This era was not that. This was like Here's the toy. Oh, boy. And like we're going through the story and they introduce the character and he's like, I'm the leech. You can tell that I have suction cups on my hands and you can stick me to a window. Pick me up for eighteen ninety five, like You know, or I'm the bug guy. My eyes pop out. That's a feature with my figure. Pick me up for nineteen eighty five. You know, like, <laughs> no, it was I will uh, say, very disingenuous. Uh, of all the, I did like Mantena a lot. Uh, the there's a like an evil one of Hordax boys. He has like a kind of a distorted voice. Okay, I think he might be the guy whose eyes pop out. But I, when I watched that, I did think to myself, I was like, going, "Yeah, man, if it was 1985 and I had richer parents, I'd get that toy." <laughs> <laughs> I liked when Adora, as Shira, hopped on the back of the horse. And the horse started talking, and I was just picturing it. Nay, that's right. You can pick me up, but I'm sold separately. Nay. (laughs) I'm a birthday present. Two things really jumped out at me as like truly comedic laugh out loud moments with this movie. And it was when Prince Adam is in an airship with this other character who's a part of the rebellion, Bo. Guess what weapon he uses? Uh... Uh, yeah. And they're yeah they're flying in a magic ship, and I'm like, oh okay. And what I like about Masters of the Universe and, and Shira is that their world again is very much like spaghetti thrown against the wall, where it's like kind of barbarian atmosphere, but also science fiction, and it's this mix of there's laser guns, there's computers, there's magic, there's swords and shields, and th- I like that. I'm very fond of the uh, Shining Force series. Final Fantasy VI is another one where there's a mix of magic and technology. Chrono Trigger would be another one. I dig uh, that the, stuff. You should read the book uh, Dune if you haven't read it. I've never read the book Dune. I, I've seen the uh, the old film, I, and I guess there's another one coming out as we're recording. Uh, there this. is. It looks pretty good, but uh, yeah. I, re- I read Dune this year. I've never seen the David Lynch film, but Dune has that mix of um space fairing but also swords and shields and stuff like that like yeah. there's uh and i, I guess it kind of has magic in it but it's more explained but i think if you wanted a, a more like if you wanted a, a story like this or like a story with those characteristics uh maybe you're gonna get a little bit more protein out of dune 
Yeah, sure. And this, well, crawl would be another example of of some magic and swords and sorcery, as well as a little bit of sci-fi, right? Yeah, it's a nice mix, though. I get it. Like, I get why it's, yeah. why it was done, you know. But what cracked me up was so here's the flying ship, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, that's gonna be like a playset or something. And then out of nowhere comes a fighter jet and just blows it out of the sky, and I <laughs> laughed out loud. <laughs> it's like I was not expecting Hordak to roll up with a fighter jet and just destroy this, you know, what, what would you say, a 16th century galleon flying yeah, in the sky? Yeah, oh, yeah. it was great. It was great. And then when Hordak turned into geometric shapes that kind of look like a missile and he just <laughs> sort of went up off the screen, it was composed so poorly. It was hilarious. <laughs> he's he's not only the poor man's Skeletor, he's the poor man's, uh, what's the guy's name? Megatron. Yes, yes. Like, the plot is uh, Waffertin. Oh, <laughs> uh, because, sure, sure. Because ultimately, you find out that Adora was uh, Adam's twin sister. She was stolen by Hordak, who, went and brought, her, who brought her back to Etheria. And then yeah. ultimately, Hordak and Skeletor kind of team up, and He-Man and She-Ra team up, and they beat them. <laughs> and She-Ra goes, turns to the camera and says, you will be able to see, catch all of my adventures and buy all of my action figures. <laughs> Uh, stay tuned, kids. It's going to be just as good as He-Man. Uh, two uh, things. One, I totally dig her transformation. Uh, it was Sailor Moon, pre-Sailor Moon. She's got like this uh, gold dust that goes over her. Her uh, transformation animation is much nicer than He-Man's, which is literally like we just cut to he's buff and he's saying I have the power. What's the deal with Skull and why do they want it so badly? Because when I'm looking at this castle, it looks like a Thanksgiving turkey carcass. I, I don't understand. <laughs> like, <laughs> Why why is Sorcerer sleeping there? It looks absolutely dreadful and drafty. And is it like the source of all energy between these two worlds? Why are we fighting in the honor of this thing? Because it looks like dog shit, if we're going to be honest. Oh, it looks like an evil fortress. Yeah, it looks like where, I don't know, Skeletor should hang out. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like it's, It is very strange. It, ultimately, they made a cool castle skeleton toy that they wanted to sell. Yeah, yeah. That's, what, that, that's why. If you have a question about why a character does X, Y, or Z, it's like, well, it's probably an action feature. You know, that's true. Uh, in my research, I found out that uh, Battle Cat, which, oh boy, and again, we got to move on. But Cringer, awful. Cannot, like, yeah. I I'll take Snarf, Snarf, any day over Snagglepuss Cat. Uh -huh. Like, that cat's annoying. Uh, but the cat is because when Mattel was creating the toy line, they had molds left over from other toy lines, and they had a lion mold from, like, a zoo playset, and they just sort of forced it into the He-Man line and a lot of the monsters are the same thing like they had molds from other monster toys that they had and they just changed up the color scheme so you are 100 correct did you notice the music was very low and didn't match anything going on yeah it, uh, some of it was actually kind of interesting yeah it just didn't um, seem like it, it, it was like we're doing our own thing over here <laughs> you have yeah. your, your movie we're gonna do things that are very up tempo down tempo it has no bearing whatsoever to what you're to looking take a, at to take a, a quick aside yeah, I remember uh, the wrestler Chris Jericho saying people would ask him what the name of his music was when he was in WCW, and he'd say it was called NBA Highlights Two because it was <laughs> music that TNT owned, <laughs> and they would just slap on. And there's and a parallel to Mattel in this, then. Oh, and this is kind of what you're talking about. It's like it's it was probably in a library or something, or you sure. know. 
outtakes from Logan's Run or whatever people could get their hands on. The voice acting is a mixed bag between good enough and kind of annoying for me, at least. Yeah, there's always those characters. There's a lot of them in there. Just like a witch character in that like weird butterfly elephant thing. Yeah, it, I, I didn't get the point of Cowl. That's the character's name where it has like big elephant ears, but it's a cute little owl until my wife saw a picture of Cowl and she's like, he's adorable. And I was like, that's why Cowl was in this show because we're going <laughs> to sell a plush of this cowl <laughs> but like the, those characters always have those goofy voices yeah uh, that were seemingly all done by one of two actors back in yes. the day because all the women ones sounded the same and all the guy ones sounded the same like i do like the way whoever it was plays prince adam because he sounds like he doesn't care about anything <laughs> it's true it's he's true. like they're like prince adam we've been arrested by hordak he's like yeah well i don't know i guess we'll figure it out or not <laughs> like <laughs> Like, oh, Prince Adam, your parents are dead. Ah, oh, well, they were going to die eventually anyway, weren't they? <laughs> like, he, he he just has a very casual air about him, and I, I kind of appreciate that about the way the guy played him. I, I thought he was fine. thought uh the woman who played Adora did a fine job. It was really the secondary characters that were uh, either okay or irritating, uh, particularly Hordak's crew with the scorpion woman's voice was kind of irritating. Um, and Catra, it was just, it was, a, it was a lot of bad voice acting, or it could be that we only have four voice actors and we've already ran the gamut as far as their range, but we need like eight more characters for them to do. And let's face it, the dumb kids watching won't notice, will they? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Why bother making anything of quality? Oh, hey there, listener. I didn't see you come in. Well, since you're here, let me personally thank you for listening to this program. If you'd like to show your support a little bit further, check out the Hot-Blooded Challenger Club. That's hotbloodedchallenger.club. You can become a member for as little as a dollar a month. And with that dollar, you get access, early access, to premium episodes of this very podcast. What's a premium episode? Additional content that's cut just for club members. You could be listening to that instead of this advertisement right now. And hey, don't have the buck, but want to support the show? Leave us a five-star review on your podcast catcher of choice. Honestly, it, it goes so far to help our algorithm. So one day you could hear me advertising for uh, comfortable underoos or a really good mattress or yet another subscription box. But regardless... Thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get back to the show. Whereas now, it'd just be like, all right, I guess I'll go have sex with that dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, and we're back. <laughs> I'm telling you, you, you want to hear our, uh, our bonus content, get on over to hotbloodedchallenger.club, and uh, it's a Patreon. And for a buck a month, you get more podcasts, and you get more content within the podcast, and you get them earlier. And they don't have all the ads in them. So that's cool. I don't know. John, would you say our conversation that we just had was worth a buck? Or, or even if, if we're talking by week, a quarter? Oh, definitely. There's definitely uh, 25 cents worth of, uh, of comedy in there. <laughs> Extra content. All right. Let's uh, wrap up our thoughts on She-Ra, Princess of Power, 1985. I love the disco ballad that is a part of this film. <laughs> 
I really enjoyed it. I don't know if you were a fan of it, uh, but I dug this, not her actual theme song from the uh, cartoon series, which I did look up and mm-hmm. it is different, but the uh, end credits and opening credit theme. Yeah, it's 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 of its time. It's one, <laughs> it's one of those things that I think adults in the 90s or early 2000s would have like played at parties ironically. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, I don't like that. I, I don't like the song ironically, but I see what you're saying. But you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things that, like, it's kind of got a kitschy value to it. Uh, yeah, and that that is kind of what I like about it, is that for, for us, it's not fair to me to bag on it too much about the length, because we chose to watch this 90-minute film. We could have just watched a random episode in the middle of the run, but sometimes we like to watch from the start, especially if we're not, like, super familiar with the series, and I frankly wasn't. So for that, I enjoyed the kitschy things that made me laugh out loud, like Hordak turning into a missile or just characters having new powers, you know, 40 minutes into the film was ridiculous. That flying ship getting just obliterated out of the sky was uh, hilarious. But the writing's dog shit. And because of that, it did make it feel much longer than it had to be. I brought up a bunch of Hanna-Barbera productions earlier, particularly the serious ones. I like the Herculoids um, or Space Ghost. I enjoy or, or Johnny Quest is another one. I like that. Er- Although <laughs> I like Johnny Quest, but there's some questionable shit in Johnny Quest from the 60s or not even questionable, just downright offensive. But I liked that era of Hanna-Barbera making sort of like comic book cartoons. And it's just as limited in its animation, but the writing is better. So it, it you know, goes a little bit further with me. Uh, well, I mean, I liked a lot of the background art. Um, I oh, was, yeah. Yeah. We know, didn't mention that. I, I do like a, a lot of the settings of it. Um it's you know it's kind of cool. I think it's probably what was I think there was actual time invested into it because they were going to use it for the next two years. There was a scene in it that particularly made me laugh where the there's like a bard playing his harp in a, oh, in a bar, yes, and the stormtroopers turn up, and obviously Prince Adam's there scoping the place out. Yeah. But these stormtroopers turn up and they're like keep playing, and he doesn't play a song that they wanted to hear. Now he never says what it was, but. Like in my head, I start going, I guess Motorhead. Uh, he wanted to hear that. Or, uh, you know, he's like, hey, that's not Slayer. But, yeah. um, hey, that's not Corn. But, uh, but I enjoyed, um, I, I said, I enjoyed the character of Mantena. And uh, if I'm ever, you know, in a secondhand collectible stall again, and there's a Mantena sitting there for 50 cents, I'll buy it. Like, no doubt about it. Um, so, mission accomplished, Mattel. But, um, a, g- a grown man still wants to buy your toy. I uh, know. Well, I'd buy it for twenty cents. In right, a, right. You know, in a you know, out the back of someone's car. I'm not gonna go on eBay and like buy man uh, like a, a sealed antenna. There is no justification for the length of this. Uh, yeah. It had about twenty minutes of story stretched over ninety minutes. Like we talked about Jace and how Jace has like next to nothing going on right. uh, narrative wise, but like there was so much. Stuff that yeah. like there was so much uh how do I put it? There's so much surface, there was substance with Jay's. Sure, yeah. It was visually I- interesting to watch where while parts of this are interesting to look at, it's not interesting to look look at for 90 plus minutes. Or I, w- I would even argue, and you, you probably agree, for 22 minutes. Yeah, if it was like, if the same story had been told in 15 minutes, I would have liked it. Yeah. And I genuinely think the same story could be told in 15 minutes. Right. Well, I would rank uh, She-Ra 1985 uh, in our serial bowl ranking 
five bowls out of ten. I would say that's being generous. Personally, yeah. I would say three out of ten. Just I was, like, you know, I when I originally put my ranking in, I was at a four, but I just feel like we're gonna watch worse Saturday morning cartoons sooner. Uh, and I don't know if this is like, you know, 50, uh, 50%, right? If five out of 10 is still a failing grade. Oh, yeah. And look, I'm not saying it's completely worthless. Right. Uh, no, if I was somebody who was nostalgic for it, I would give it a higher rating, but I'm not. And right. I, I, I'll say this as well. It's like, it was boring. And that's the ultimate sin for kids' cartoons. You know, like, sure. The, sure. Uh, like I'll, you can watch any old shit as long as it's not boring, you know. Right. If there's madness going on or if the animation is interesting, you can forgive all that. But the yeah. animation was dull and the writing was dull, so I, I can't, uh, I can't give us anything more than three. I mean, there were, I liked Mantena and I liked the background art and I liked you know some of the weird writing, but that counts to three, not to ten, you know. Sure, I got you. Fair enough. Well. I'm noticing that my cereal's getting soggy, so if you would like to nominate a Saturday morning cartoon for us to discuss, you can do it two ways. Uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher with your nomination, but you can also fast-track your nomination, which means we'll do it first. If you're a member of the Hot-Blooded Challenger Club, uh, all you got to do is comment in one of the episodes that we post and say, I would like to nominate whatever. And we will review it. Uh, for Johnny Capcom, I'm Kyle Von Kubik. Thank you so much for listening and supporting uh, this show. And we will be right back after the next episode drops. I am Adora, He-Man's twin sister and defender of the Crystal Castle. This is Spirit, my beloved steed. Fabulous secrets were revealed to me the day I held aloft my sword and said, For the honor of Grayskull! A few others share this secret. Among them are Light Hope, Madame Raz, and Cowl. Together, we and my friends of the Great Rebellion strive to free Etheria from the evil forces of Horda. Yeah.